0: The GameSchooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the joys of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Fire Tower, our game of the week, discuss how AI will affect gaming in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with our high five American-themed games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast.
1: I'm your host Doug Gotecki, along with my co-host Dr. Michael McCabe. How's How it going, Michael? How we doing, Doug? Great, man. Nothing better than summer. I absolutely love the month of July, and it's great to be here on the podcast, to talk about games. How about you? Ah, uh, doing good. Everything's
0: busy. It's crazy with vacations and holidays and uh, things going on. So we're trying to get through. Uh, weather's getting hot. I love it. Cooling off a little bit. I. I like hot weather. I just don't like sweating through a t shirt. Oh, I love that. Sitting still. I love that. Getting yeah. out of the shower and just sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, why, why am I still tripping? Um, all right. Well, what's new? What's awesome in gaming?
1: Well, wait, where to begin? Do we have a giveaway for today or do we need to read? We do. ahead re- no, and following up. Want to make sure. Yes. Yeah, so we are giving a copy, uh, courtesy of
0: Goliath Games, of Fire Tower, which is our game of the week this week. Uh, note, we are talking about this game of our own volition, and there are no strings attached oh, no, to no. why we are talking yeah. about this game or recommending it or saying you should try it. We love the game regardless of, of the de- the copy that we're giving away. And we are giving that away to a member of our Discord server, which if you're interested, although you are not, won't be eligible for the contest anymore, you can still sign up by going to gameschooler.com dot com slash discord uh, to join a group of like-minded individuals all talking
1: about family gaming and game schooling. Well, mo- all, mostly like-minded, but there's also folks from all across the world and all different professions and backgrounds. So I feel like we have a good, when you say like-minded, yep, they're all they're all <laughs> listeners. I'm, yes. not, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but I'm there's learning a lot. There's that one weirdo no, in the group. Well, that's me. I'm learning a lot. You know, from our listeners and folks who are on the Discord, and, and that's that's great. Yes. Uh, but the for Discord, folks, if you're new to Discord, you do need an invitation link, and Doug, you want to give them that one more time? Gameschooler.com slash Discord will
0: have a, a link to sign up there, and the copy of Fire Tower is going to Sean S., who we will be reaching out to to uh, figure out how we can get you that game. Congratulations, Sean! Yeah, so thanks for signing up for the Discord and being a part of the conversation there. Uh, we appreciate that. Now that was
1: awesome in gaming. Anything else? Yeah, I have something to follow up. Here I am off off on the run sheet. Sorry about that. But also on the Discord, um, you know, last week we talked about games that slipped through the cracks, and I just wanted to follow up because MorTex, a uh, uh, listener and Discord um, friend, talked about Chocolate Factory. And I hmm. thought, oh, yeah, a game Matthew Dunstan and one other human, which escapes my mind at the moment, I should have done before researching. But I thought that that is one that did slip through the cracks. In my opinion, a game I really enjoy. Um, there's a difficulty to it, some tension to it. And I just thought, yeah, that, that I'm going to. I'm going to mention that. And then the other one. That, that one got some serious play in the snowstorm of 2019. <laughs> it sure did. When, <laughs> when we had an inadvertent lock-in at my house. Oh, that was fun. The lockdown before the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other game that I cannot believe I'm just seeing all over on the secondary market right now for $20, $25. You know, People are getting ready to go to Gen Con. So they're getting rid of games that they got in Gen Con a year or two shed ago. Shed mode. Yeah, shed mode. Is Cape May. Mm. That game, I'm seeing all yeah, over that is a good the one. place on the secondary market. And I just wanted to bring those two uh, gems up because it was came across my desk this week. So Yeah, I wanted to talk about, this is completely changing
0: gears, but something that is uh, potentially a negative, but is also awesome when it happens. Oh, Doug's getting crabby. Let's hear it. <laughs> get off my lawn first. <laughs> first and foremost, get off my lawn. Second is I love... When games that come with fancy inserts give me a diagram on how to put the components back into the box,
1: <laughs> I need that. And Are so, you being sarcastic? No, or I'm saying
0: that is awesome when yes. a publisher puts that in because right I've on had the side of the box. I've had two uh, games. I will not mention them. One that came with one, yeah, and one that did not, yeah. And if I have to go online and check. Three different videos, and hopefully somebody made pictures to figure out. And then print it out and then include it for next time. And then hopefully figure out how these things go into the box that you've clearly spent time designing a, a space for everything. Tell me where it goes. Um, but then I did have a game that did that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is so much easier. It helps with teardown and, and setup and things like that. So it's just a weird I mean, over the next couple of weeks, I have a couple of of things like this where it's like, I appreciate that this is a part of our hobby when it happens. Yeah.
1: So. Can I jump in on that? Yeah. When Dead Reckoning had a diagram of how to put it back in the box, I'm really glad it did because I never would have figured out how to get things back in the box. And we were playing that with Dan, who is in our game group and who also (laughs) designs inserts. And Dan mentioned a different company that wouldn't allow him to do that because of cost. And I thought, oh, interesting. So it costs money to put a diagram on the side of the box, and and it's just... Or print out an or, extra sheet of paper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or on the back of the rule book, it's an extra page. <laughs> Without it, I'm completely lost. Yes. I will have a game that sits out on a table, and then I will schlep that thing together in my car, bring it over here <laughs> so that Dan can show me how to repackage it. Or if... if if he doesn't know, I'll just have to throw it in a Ziploc and throw it in the side because I can't figure out how to get the game put back well, together.
0: Well, that's the thing is you, you've gone through all of the work to make this fancy insert, <laughs> and if I can't figure out how to put it, I might as well throw the insert away and put everything in baggies, yeah. which some companies do, and it's like I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. either put it in and and tell me how to use it, or don't bother. Right. Um. But it, you know, it was one of those things that I came across my desk and I'm like, this is really nice when this is here. And then four hours after trying to put the other game away, as I'm unpunching it, I said, I really appreciate those yeah. more
1: when they exist. Yeah. How about well, you? I need, uh, I, need no, I, I need them. I, or, I need them. I Really need them. Or games will just get put in Ziplocs. Yeah, how about with me with what's awesome with gaming? Sure, yeah. I just, there is a vibrant community out there. I traveled for work recently. I was in Austin, Texas for a week. Uh, and I added on a few days of vacation to in vibe and some wonderful barbecue, ate some of the best barbecue of my life, different podcast, different time. We'll talk about it. Um, in a cool little gaming community down there, you know, went to a, a meetup. I don't know if I shared this, but I was off by a full week. So, <laughs> Hey bonus, I got some pizza and got to talk about games <laughs> with random people who worked there and they, they were very kind. Um, and then this past week, I was in the Twin Cities and got to a little cafe over a few days. You know, gaming cafe. Did you go to the Game Center? I didn't go to the Game Center this time. I was at Lodestone, which is okay. a different. Oh sure. Uh, just phenomenal coffee. So I was there every afternoon to get coffee and looking at games. I think um, I met the owner
0: of that place okay. at a, a trade show?
1: Well, once. I, I, um, I whiffed on a deal because I was quoted prices. They were really busy. They are having a, a magic <laughs> event, a, a booster draft, and it was crazy, crazy that place was at capacity. And here I am going over asking about two prices of games that aren't priced, and they quoted me the wrong prices. So then when I went back the next day to go for, I just can't pay full MSRP anymore, Doug, and had to walk away, so <laughs> not procuring games. But no, just... Um, in traveling for work and with family it's just great to see how how open the community is and yeah. how kind people are and how i mean it is such a diverse hobby You know, you've got D&D and Magic the Gathering and family games, you know, like ours. And so I've just had a lot of fun, just kind of bouncing around and haven't spent any money doing it. You know, I spent 25 bucks a day on coffee, but didn't buy any games. (laughs) Well, I
0: I had a family get together over this past weekend, and I was talking to my brother about Gen Con and some other people and trying to explain all of the different hobbies yeah, that are theres like there's well there's miniatures and and role-playing and miniature gaming and collectible card games and non-collectible card games and board games and larping and cosplay and you know you you name the, the stretch of 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 hobbies and interests that are encapsulated in one convention uh, it is diverse
1: as you say and I don't know what to expect for Gen con I no. was just at a national <laughs> conference for work right so the, this is a, a national Education conference, and it draws four thousand people. and it felt huge. We're at a national convention center. I went last year. Doug, there's four thousand people there, some of the best educators in the country. Ah, I'm just fired up from all the learning and the energy and meeting friends and there's fifty thousand people <laughs> at Gen. What are we gonna do, man? And you're stuck with me for four days there. <laughs> yeah, <yeah>, so <laughs> no, that'll that'll be a, a fun little event. <laughs> um, as far as uh, uh,
0: another thing that's new, is if you are listening to this on Friday, the there is a new Everdell game that was just announced. Everdell Farshore is the title of that one, for sure, or Farshore. Farshore, you- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everdell Farshore, um, which I, I'm trying tried to do a little bit of research today on what the the is between. It seems like it's a it's kind of in a, a lot of similar mechanisms in a different part of the world yeah, uh, on a a nautical theme. There's uh, some boats. But kind of cleaned up mechanisms and maybe some of the things that they've learned from from, uh, Everdell and all of its expansion. So it'll be interesting to see if that's something that there's enough meat on the bone. Um, I, I think it may be a great opportunity for somebody that has not gotten or played Everdell yet. It might be a good starting point. Um, and, and and potentially a definitive addition for those people because of the the learning that's happened over five expansions and a base game of kind of synthesizing those
1: mechanisms down. So. Yeah, we'll I'm, I'm excited for it. I love love that game, love that universe. The boats look cute, and it looks like yeah,
0: l- yeah, little plastic
1: it, mushrooms. I mean, you in, in might mar- have to get it just for that. <laughs> in the, well, go ahead. That'll come in handy. But it also looks like the card piles um, don't. The, when a card comes out, I, I don't want to go into the nuances too deep, but it yeah. looks like. They stack.
0: They there's stack no, there's they're no not going to disappear.
1: So that yeah. will be, it'll allow for more um, strategic thinking. It looks fun. Looks fun.
0: All right. And you got to, are you talking uh, anything else? Nope. Nope. That's all. Okay. I, yeah. So uh, again, sign up for the Discord if that's something that you're interested in. A reminder to spread the word about the podcast. If you like what we're doing, we would appreciate that. And contact us with any questions or comments, email at gameschooler.com. Again, that's email at gameschooler.com. Now let's move on to the Game of the Week.
1: The Game of the Week. The Game of the Week is an in-depth look at a family-friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is Fire Tower. Doug, give us the stats. All right. Originally published in 2019, it was a Kickstarter
0: game by Runaway Parade Games. It is now being published by Goliath Games, and you should see an increased availability of this title. The designer is Samuel Bryant and Gwen Ruel, The art is by Kevin Ruel. Two to four players, 15 to 30 minutes, uh, ages 14 and up. And Board Game Geek says eight plus, so there's a little bit of a gap there. I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. The complexity is a 1.85 out of five. Fire Tower is a competitive game where players must fight fire with fire. Most firefighting games have a cooperative aspect with players working together to beat back the flames, but in Fire Tower, your only objectives are to protect your own tower and spread the blaze towards your opponents. Action cards allow players to alter the direction of the wind and add varying patterns of fire, water, and defensive barriers to the board. The skill comes in effectively directing the resources in your hand and using sound spatial planning to deploy them. So on your turn, you're going to be doing two things. You are going to, um, the the wind is going to be blowing in a certain direction, and you need to add a new fire gem. There's a a stack of four. The the whole board is a grid. Yep. And each fire tower is in a corner of the grid, and the center four spaces start the game with fire cubes on them or fire tokens. On your turn. Depending on the way the wind is blowing, you're going to add one cube in that direction. Then you can play or take an action from your hand.
1: And you add the cubes to the existing fire. So the fire is always extending in the direction of the wind. Um, So then
0: you play a card from your hand. These things can, the cards can change the direction of the wind. So for example, if it's blowing towards you, you might want to change the direction of the wind. You can add fire uh, to spaces adjacent to existing fire. You can add uh, little barriers that can prevent fire from traveling through it, and you can use water to put out fire that is close to you. Uh, When, uh, say for example, you're playing in a three-player game, when a fire gets into the fire space and the fire tower of a player, they are eliminated. The person that caused the elimination gets to collect all of the cards from the the player that they eliminated and and choose which ones they want to keep. And then that player becomes a ghost or a spear. What do they call it? Shadow. The, Shadow. Yeah, Shadow of the Wood. Shadow of the Wood. They're not out of the game, but they'll be playing different no, turns. they're
1: chief jerkhead. They're, so, they're just trying to be the last one standing. Yeah,
0: so interestingly, so you're not eliminated, but the Shadow of the Wood, similar to a game like Bang, only wins if they're the last one standing, but they have to eliminate all remaining players at the same time.
1: Right. So So if I,
0: for example, if I'm the shadow of the wood and Michael and Dan are left in the game, if on my turn I can eliminate Michael, I get one extra turn. And if I can eliminate Dan in that turn, I win. If I don't, Dan would win.
1: And hypothetically, in this imaginary, imaginary scenario, which actually did happen and angered me greatly and had me fall in love deeply with the game... I did not win. Doug did not win, but he was eliminated. I was in the lead big time. And I'm going to jump right into what I really like about <laughs> this game. The person that gets into the lead, it, it it's difficult to stay in the lead because there are some wonderful catch-up mechanisms of just naturally people are going to gang up on you and, yeah. and, and ensure that you cannot stay in the lead. Uh, plays really well at three and four players for that. Yeah, and there's some uh, uh, extra cards like oh
0: a bucket that allows you to, remo- you know, normally you can't remove uh, tile or fire tokens from your fire gems from your tower area. Uh, your bucket allows you to get rid of some of those. There's different things like that. I don't want to get into every you know specific nuance part of the game, but this game is one of the real good things about this game is it sets up almost instantly. Yeah, there's very minimal setup it plays fast uh, the other thing that i really like about it is that the action cards include grids and basically visually explain what the card and the text and the they do so the it, graphic direction is flawless so it come it, it eliminates the need that happens in a lot of games where you're like oh what does this symbol mean hand me that sheet and everybody's passing a sheet around this is a car. the game where Everything
1: makes sense on the card that you don't need to do that. Yeah, can I such say a huge slightly part. a different way? Yeah. This is a game where if one person at the table has played it before, you never have to go to the rule book. Yeah. It, 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 there's a simplicity to it where you can just explain to people what's happening while you're playing and still play the game. All out. You don't have to nerf it on anybody because you're an experienced player. The game just seems so well balanced based on the cards that are in there and how the game unfolds from turn to turn. Well, in the first time that we played this, I was eliminated rather quickly.
0: And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, this kind of stinks. Yeah. But that turn as the shadow of the wood is really cool. You're rolling a dice and it's telling you basically what you can do. You don't have action cards anymore. You roll a die. But it was interesting, and what I really liked about it is, one, that it, there is no player elimination, so I was still active in the game, and the way that it's set up, it eliminates king-making. Yep. So it's in my best interest to make sure that the remaining players are beating themselves up equally, otherwise I have no chance to win. Where a lot of games may have that, but it's like, oh, I hate Michael
1: because he knocked me out, so I'm just going to attack him and let Dan win. You A- and you- it cuts down on racing too. Racing to the finish. I might have knocked you out early, but by knocking you out early, I now have built in an enemy, right? And- well, not.
0: I don't think so. I disagree with that because I think that there's it, by knocking me out early, you get my cards, so you get benefits. So that early game, there's no. The incentive is to to attack someone right away and get them out, and then once I'm It it serves me no purpose if I'm knocked out to just go after and attack you because then I'm going to for sure lose. Yeah. There's still a chance for me to win the game, but in order to do that, I have to attack everybody equally so I can take them out in consecutive turns all at once. Cool. And so I like that, that there is no... I'm going to hit you back because you knocked me out and I don't care about the game anymore.
1: Like You're still invested as the shadow of the wood on how to make that work. So I've played this game with adults more than my own kids. Yeah. And every game has been very memorable. Yeah. I mean, the, the game just has um, a competitiveness to it that, that it stays with me. I enjoy, even when things don't go my way. How... How have your experiences with this game been when you've played with your kids or with 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 children? I haven't. I'm okay. I'm
0: I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm curious on the idea. I didn't mean to say
1: you up there. I thought that no, that, yeah. no yep. I haven't. I yep. haven't
0: gotten a chance to get this one to the table. Yep. It's one that I think that there's an irony to the concept of a game that is almost entirely take that is more forgiving to younger players than a game that has occasional take that elements, right? Yeah, they're used to it. So this game, because the whole thing is just attacking your opponents, I think the sting of the take that is lessened as opposed to, every fourth turn I might do something that screws you up and totally throws you off course. This one you are on your heels in defense mode the entire time um, which I think would be helpful for kids. Sure. Have you played with your kids?
1: No, not yet. It's, it's coming up. It's been on the next up shelf for weeks. Um, and I've talked about it. I've played through parts of it. We just haven't played a full game game yet. Um, this is a game that I'm actively preparing to bring into board game club in the fall. I have a, a group of they will be seventh grade, you know, thirteen year old boys that are going to dominate this game week in and week out. They played just one in Dinosaur Tea Party, and I and one of them is a neighbor. I've already talked to him about it. Like, hey, I've got a perfect game for you. I can just tell by how how close this group of, of young guys is and how the game is with our game group, where yeah. I think it's going to be great in the middle school board game club. Well, that's
0: the only thing I have is. Um is a concern is the idea of how that would do in a, a board game club, depending on who the grouping is. So it's like, if you've got a group of people that are used to playing together and they're, I don't want to say cutthroat, but they're used to that style of, you know, if it's, if four, four seventh grade boys, they're just going to rip up on each other and have fine, have a good time. If you take three of those boys out and put someone else in there that's a little shy, yeah. It could be completely it could be a disaster.
1: I'm talking about a group that plays little league baseball together, plays basketball together, and when they see this game and just how the fire pieces pop, I think it'll work great. But to your point, I couldn't agree with you more. This could be this is group dependent because I mean you're battling. This this is competitive, and it does not feel good to get eliminated in this game.
0: No, I think this is one that's going to be, uh, whether you're a teacher, a counselor, or a parent, knowing the kids that you're introducing it to. This is not something that either you or I would bring into a board game club completely blind without knowing the people. And it's like, Oh, this is your first time at board game club. Let's play fire tower. Not going to happen. No, that's that's a really be, good point. Doug. Th- that would be a disaster or a potential disaster. Yeah. That's one of those things where it's like, it could go great. It could be, I'm never coming back and I've just felt attacked and not great. So, um, that's just one of the things that's the nature of any take that yeah. game to kind of put out there but i think with the right group and and kids that aren't taking this so seriously or and are i don't want to say more outgoing but are used to that attacking nature i think this game would be a home run yeah and i also think that like you know my girl girls are not huge take that but because the whole thing is take that it it kind of crosses over into a different territory sure and maybe it's a when we talk about group dependent maybe it's the nature, not necessarily the game, the nature of the players. Yeah. So if you have uh, you know kids that are hooting and hollering and really slamming it down' like, yeah, you're eliminated. I'm just, I'm just gonna do, the, you know more vocal, that could probably be more detrimental than the actual gameplay um, that take that elements that are confined to the gameplay because I can see this playing with my kids and them not being bothered by it. Unless you start razzing somebody about it, and then it could potentially be an issue, right? Yeah. Overly competitive? No,
1: I, I. So I took this to our family trip, and I only took a handful of games this weekend thinking, we're going to play Fire Tower. And because of what you are talking about, I kept it in the bag and said, no, we're going to play that as a, as a nuclear family first before we bring that out to the cousins because- yeah. There, there there's an intensity with with the competitiveness of it that I, so for new listeners Doug and I each have three daughters my my daughters are age 7, 11 and 14 and it, this works this game will work for my family the only reason it won't work with my 7-year-old right now is because of the amount of text the cards yeah. all have anywhere from 6 to 8 words on them that require a level of comprehension that my 7-year-old just isn't at yet, but once she plays three or four times, she'll have the cards memorized and, and she'll be good to go. Uh, so it was that that text barrier. With I didn't want to make the cousins cry. So I, you know, if we were talking two weeks ago, I might disagree with your point. Except. This was the experience that I just had this past weekend with this game. Yeah, and then it was well, we're gonna play this as a family first. Then we'll take it out to the cousins yeah. so we yeah. know who's gonna like and who's not. It's not going to be a fit for everybody, but for people who do love to compete and love to get after a game, I think Fire Tower's perfect. Yeah, and I think that's a good good
0: advice is the idea of um, playing it in a safe space mm-hmm. that you're controlling first before you branch out. You know, and and maybe it's one of those that if you are bringing it to a game club and it is new gamers or a mixture, it's like this is a game that you kind of sit there and facilitate and kind of gauge and keep track of where people are mentally as the game is going on and kind of make sure that things don't get out of hand until everybody's comfortable with the rules, the game, how fast it plays and what they're in for. Because if you're going into this just straight out of the, the box, it may be intimidating depending on how you're playing. And I think that's a good thing to just kind of be a little referee for yeah. a, uh,
1: an introductory game. But thematically, it makes perfect sense. Fire yeah. is aggressive. Fire is unpredictable. Fire is yeah. going to move with the wind. And so we've just spent you know the last seven or eight minutes talking about where it might or might not fit with kiddos. I think with adults, this thing fits great in a game group when you just need a a quick game, right? You can have it set up and put back in the box in 45 minutes and have a great experience. And it also is one of those games that can work with couples. If you Mm. have a group that's coming over and maybe they play games, maybe they don't, maybe one of them does, one of them doesn't. Fire Tower, it's doing some cool things. I mean, you're playing as the fire. You're actively trying to take out other people's tower. And it's different than other worker placement, other types of games that we've talked about and recommended. So I I think in those settings, uh, it can work brilliantly. Yeah, and it's got it for. I don't want to
0: say this in a way that sounds bad, but this game has a lot of... It feels... Like an older classic game in the regards of like, I don't want to say that the mechanisms feel outdated because that's not it, but it just seems so easy to grasp and pick up. It almost feels like a game that has been around for a long time or something that I feel like you would get in 1985 from Milton Bradley, but somehow works like, and I'm not, not th- taking that as a negative. I think that's that that simplicity. But makes you get it kind more of, approachable, and, and maybe 100% it's the, right. no, the artwork or something about it. Just feels like
1: I feel like this game has been basic. around forever. <laughs> you're doing two things: you're yeah. planting fire, you're playing a card, you know. And so, but but there's a depth within those two two little actions because mm-hmm. even where you place a fire and and I, I it's going to come north, it's going to travel towards me. But which direction do I want? And, and so you get all those little, little decisions and although it's very basic, where I think the engagement is really high in this, I'm watching every turn. My yeah. phone is down. If there's a game on the television, I'm not peeking at the game because every turn that fire is moving. Uh, but, yeah, I think you're spot on with what well, you're saying with Well, that. and the other kind of interesting thing is that it, I was
0: surprised that after a couple playthroughs, it became more apparent the depth of hand management mm-hmm. and kind of what cards you need to have for early game, which cards you need to have for late game and kind of manipulating your hand a little bit as the game goes along. It was like, okay, well, you, you kind of want to change the, the wind early, right? Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, it's coming for me. But then like once things are really close to you, you really want the wind to <laughs> you change. You have to. That's you know? the priority. And if you don't have that card – because you dump them all early game early to load game. up a more powerful
1: card. Yeah, so yeah. There's,
0: there's different things like that that as we played through a couple times, I was like, okay, I see that some of these cards, they're all good cards, but when you use them and how can be very interesting um, as you play.
1: Yeah, and Doug and I have played the Goliath version, so I have—I don't know if there's any differences from the Kickstarter. I—I I didn't do that level of research. What I will tell you, the version that is in Target, that is in Amazon today, there is a lot in that thirty-dollar box. I, I was just looking—you know—Noble Knight has the Runway Parade Games version. They have one copy left for seventy-five dollars. I can't imagine there's anything in the Kickstarter that would. I know they had an it, expansion at one point too, so okay. I don't, I okay, don't know. So maybe there are some things in that, but I think yeah. the 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 game that we have played uh, and, and have is there is a lot happening in that little fifteen to thirty minute um, burst of a
0: game. So. Yeah. Well, and it's been a while since I've put four skills on a on a a run sheet, but. This has resource management while you're looking over your cards, what you're going to spend and where. The tactical thinking, the wind changes. Somebody put a, a fire gem in a spot that you didn't expect, or things like that. So you kind of got to be on your toes. You have to be the spatial perception of That's what, what I had. you know what direction can I play the cards down because some of the cards are like you can play them in a row or in a a four square or which ones you're eliminating different things like that and then obviously any game that has take that there's a level of resilience where you know if the wind is it's funny because even if the wind is blowing in your direction at the start of every other player's turn they're going to have to put a gem in your direction and it's like it's mandatory by the game they're not choosing to do that because they hate you, but there is a moment where you're like, Come on, guys, stop putting those
1: towards me. You know, like why you command my tower? Change the wind. Um Yes. Yeah, the, the other place where there's resource management is just knowing when to use your bucket card. You're, mm-hmm. you're dealt one bucket card at the start of the game. and allows you to clear off multiple fire, I think is a three fire that allows you to, to take out in a straight line. And it's like- From your tower,
0: uh, from, in your tower. Yeah, it's the only it's time
1: like, you can get- oh, When should I use this? Yeah. When should I u-? And so there's uh, multiple levels of, of resource management and, and certainly spatial perception in here. The- The other skill um, that I had is just observation, a game that rewards careful watching of details and behaviors in order to understand or arrive at a judgment. What Doug talked about earlier of how critical it is to be able to change the direction of wind, just by watching, you can kind of get an idea of what cards are in other players' hands because there is a logic to... Uh, when, what type of cards should be played. And, and I've enjoyed that part of the game too, trying to think about well, what do they have in their hand? Because that's hidden information. The yeah. cards aren't laying out in front. They're they're holding a handful of cards. And uh, that was the other one that I had. Well, and the the interesting thing is, this is kind of jumping back a little bit, but when you go
0: into the, you get that shadow of the wood, like you're eliminated. Those turns, I don't want people to feel like you're just kind of, um casually playing the game you you have like super powerful actions yeah. that you get to do on those turns and it is fun and rewarding where you're like i get to put down a ton of fire because right now because you're rolling
1: a dice and, and taking the actions based on the dice roll yeah, so you're hoping for certain dice rolls sometimes yeah some too. of
0: them are, some of them are, are smaller but there are some where it's like oh yeah i get to roll the wind die 3 dimes and and put it in that direction and things like that that that's a really I when I was eliminated and playing as that character, I did not feel like I was playing a less than game. I felt like yeah. I had really cool abilities and cool things that I could do. So that's an interesting feat that 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 fire tower has accomplished. Uh, anything else on this
1: one? I just no. I think it's clear from our review that it's a game that both of us really enjoy, and it does go back in the box nicely. It comes out of the box nicely. There is a lot. In that, in that box. Um, and just getting back to the um, age,
0: 14 plus. Oh, I'm, yeah.
1: We could take I, another 10 minutes here. What do you have on that? Because I, I have some strong thoughts, and I skipped over those I'm notes. just assuming
0: that this is a publisher toy testing components, choking hazard type of thing. Because I... Just don't believe
1: that this is actually a 14 plus. So I was leaning 13 plus on the box, uh, yeah. So I was leaning towards the eight plus, and then I had this out, I had this set up at home, I was ready to teach it, and I had Eliza's hand all set and ready to go. Eliza's my seven year old who loves Reiner Canizia, and then I realized how much text was on the mm. cards. And, and having that experience with the experience of not wanting to just get this out to the cousins because I didn't want to clean up tears on other people's kids, um, I would put this at about a 10 plus. I think That's, you need yeah. to be able to read independently. I think you need to be able to take a loss Yeah, because I, you could get knocked out quickly. You've had that experience. I've had that experience. Yeah. You could be in that shadow of the wood. Fairly quickly, and that's where I'm saying this is more of a ten-year-old than an eight-year-old, which I, the community board game geek says eight plus. Yeah,
0: I think I agree with the ten plus. I mean, I have an I have an eight-year-old who could read the cards, but I don't think emotionally she would be in a good spot to play the game.
1: Bo- both of our kiddos around that age would be table flipping if it yeah. didn't go their way. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then just trying to explain to them that it's just the game like that's how fire goes and wind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's watch backdraft after this. Um, <laughs> oh, you just scared me, Doug. So that, that is our game of the week. Uh, give it a try if you get a chance. That is Fire Tower from Goliath Games. Uh, we think you would enjoy it. Now, let's move on to the School of Gaming.
1: School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming. This week, we'll be using our imagination (laughs) as we discuss how will artificial intelligence, AI, affect gaming. It will not. (laughs) End of segment. No. (laughs)
0: Um, This came up with a This concept, of course, everybody's talking about AI art and things like that. But I came across a a forum post that I thought was very fascinating. I wanted to get your take on it. But the idea of using like Chat GPT as a personal rule reference, yeah, and the idea of okay, if you could load in instruction manuals and teach the AI to learn all of the games. The rules to then instead of going to Board Game Geek and saying what happens if I cross this blue line and just type it in and then immediately get an answer back, that's is yeah. very intriguing to me. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of different ways, but is that's the first thing that I've heard of that I thought that would be cool.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm not familiar with the forum, and maybe I am, but I. I not, you and I haven't had this specific conversation, but the one bullet point I came into this segment with is rules and setup in ways we have not yet imagined. Yeah. So similar to what you talked about at the very opening segment about getting stuff back into a box, um, but the, the in-game, in-action rules situation I think is one where artificial intelligence could really help with gameplay. I know there are so many times where I'm playing a game solo and I'm playing it to learn the game so that I can hopefully play it with my game group or family and I'm bogged down for 15 minutes on one exception rule yeah uh, you know where I've've gone to board game geek I've gone to Google but I'm not quite getting the essence of what am I to do next and I think something that has an algorithm that's you know what do you have I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about like asking Surrey or something about a rules
0: clarification, and then the it's not good, Doug. The thing coming back and saying the designer has not uh, created a scenario such as this, so I don't have an answer. Like, no, I, I went through this, the, and
1: the designer has not prepared me for this question. <laughs> you know, it was like New Year's of this year. I'm playing Carnegie and uh, playing it solo, and I went through this for like a half hour, and I just wanted to do it right. Because I'm 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 a rule following gamer suddenly, and I want to know what I need to do, and I can't, and I just wonder if AI will help with some of those situations. Oh, I think it definitely,
0: especially uh, the simple. Like if I can if I can hold my watch and and ask a question and immediately get a response that even even isn't necessarily okay. We had this happen and then this happen. How do these resolve? But simply like. You know, what happens when this happens or whatever, things that are in the basic rules that sometimes like, where is that in the book? And you're looking yeah. for like, ah, uh, no, it's not there. Is it here? That type of stuff. Not even those like, I I think the rules should be interpreted this way, and I think they should be interpreted that way, that type of thing. More of, this was in the rule book. Where's where that was sentence it in and the 36 what, pages? Yeah, what <laughs> is it? I think could be huge.
1: Um, do you think AI could write rules better? I don't, I'm not going to go that far right now. Eventually, eventually. Yes. Eventually. I almost feel like the amount of information that you would have to put in
0: to make the AI generate rules, you've already written the rules in some ways, right?
1: Yes. But if you, I, am thinking now across languages. Right, oh, where sure. a lot of go. my rules break down happen are the game was initially written in, in German or in Polish, and then it's translated over into English, and it's it, it could be it's my understanding, yeah. right? And yeah. that's where I think it, it will really help eventually, sooner rather than later. Um, the go ahead. Nothing. Okay. The the other one is. Here's where I'm fascinated, which I'm hopeful for. Right? We talk about the hopeful things. Um, hey, ChatGBT or whatever is next in AI. What is the probability that this game will be in my collection three years from now? You know <laughs> that I'm, I'm standing in Target or I'm standing at my friendly local game store and I'm looking at a game and I just hold the game up, right? And right away. That thing's going to churn through the games that are in my collection, every other gamer who has it in their collection, and it's going to spit back an answer based on some computations. And (laughs) I'll know, okay, there's a 78% chance. (laughs) That's like being rated a 7.8 on my You will hate (laughs) this game. (laughs) Users have noted a colorblind variance in this game. The blue and purple workers do different things. (laughs) You will destroy it or you will trade it within three days of opening it. So that's uh those are some of the things that I can't imagine but I think will will be kind of cool now I think on a simpler a simpler, <laughs> Went too hy-
0: deep. A, a simpler <laughs> hypothesis just the idea of hey I like this game what are some other games that I may enjoy based on that um, I could definitely see AI and it's probably actually doing it now anyway but if you could get that sort of even a, a personal thing of like, okay, I'm looking for what's the next one? Or this, I love this designer. Is there something else? Like that type of stuff, things things that we do in our Discord server that will be <laughs> be completely obsolete by AI. I, I'm I don't think it'll be obsolete. I'm intrigued by that. Now, here's another one for you. How about autonomous players?
1: Yeah, so this is one that I've been listening to and thinking about. Um, I'm leaning towards no. I'm not gonna like that, but probably thinking, yeah, I'll be doing quite a bit of that, uh, especially to learn a game so that I can then teach a game and play a game with other people. I, I, I can, and the other way where I'm coming that, I've walked by this game in my collection for the last year and a half. The only way I'm going to play this game is if I play with two AI bots, right? Set it up on the table. I play, okay, I played the game. I put away. I feel a little bit better because it... And so there's weird things, not just within the hobby, but also within my own brain and my own collection that I think that some of the... There's some potential there. So uh, you solo game, I do not.
0: How does that become... Because I like... So there are things where it's like, I don't want to play a solo game. I want to play the version... Of the game, the three player, the four player, I don't have that. But then, at a certain point, it's like, okay, great, I have somebody making moves or an autonomous player and and an AI functioning. That then, at what point should I just be playing a video game?
1: Well, I I I think that's a totally fair. You know, that's where
0: I kind of like the my initial thought is, oh, that'd be awesome, and then I'm like. Yeah, but I'm still going to have to do all the bookkeeping and moving stuff around and depending on the game like there's so much upkeep that's happening. It's like, do I really feel like I'm playing it when I'm moving other people's pieces around the board game that are not mine type of thing?
1: Yeah, but I think that the games are going to change based with some of the technology, right? I mean, if you look back 5 or 6 years ago where there was that that trend of the internet of things, Ooh, this is going to sit on your desk, and it's automatically going to order more paper clips from Staples, and it's going to arrive, and it'll get hand delivered. Oh, it's going to be so! And yeah, did some of that come true? Yeah, some of it. I feel but like I have one of those for board yeah, games. You probably There's a button do. on my desk, and another and says, one shows up. New one shows up. Um, but I do think that some of the games will will adjust the same way that they have with, with apps, with, with using videos, with using professional narrators. Whereas if we were having this topic 10 years ago, or let's go 15 years ago, how will the smartphone impact gaming? And we could have gone on both ends of love and rage. Um, I mean, it helps me to log my plays, and it's actually embedded in probably 15% of the games in my collection. You rely on that smartphone in some way, shape, or form. That number could be slightly high. Maybe it's just 10%, but there's a lot of games that we have talked about that have an app that's built right into that gameplay, and that's what I wonder about with artificial intelligence and game design how many of the games are going to rely on the AI within yep. the core mechanics of
0: the game. I, I'm also intrigued of, you know, Rodney Smith does awesome watch it played videos and rules teaches. There's some other good ones out there. and But then other times I look up online and it's like, how do I play this game? I don't have 40 minutes. I'm sorry, I'm not going to watch a 40-minute yep. rules teach. I, I'm intrigued by the possibility of like, AI teach me this game, and just an audio playing yep. while everybody's sitting at the table. You know that's kind of intriguing. I know when when <clears throat> this stuff really started coming out or or being news. I know artwork was a big thing. I don't know that that's going to have a huge impact. I think it'll help on prototyping. Um, I think there's always going to be. Uh, I, I think from a, a consumer aspect, I don't think. I will care whether AI the art is AI generated or by a person. Like if you love Vincent Dutrade or you love Beth Sobel or something like that. Like I love both of them. You know, you are you may be drawn to those games. Yeah. Um. And, and that artwork at the same time, it's like that's a whole different school of gaming. Segment. I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not I don't know who half the people that have, are doing the artwork on the games that I love anyway. Sure. So it's like whether if you told me. Half of the games in my collection have AI-generated art. I'd be like, oh, okay. okay. You know, so, yeah. um, I mean. They un- don't yet,
1: Doug. They, they don't, don't yet. yet. Yes.
0: So I, I'm not sure how that'll impact. I'm curious to see what other people think about this on, uh, on our Discord and, and where, you know, other aspects that maybe we haven't thought of. But it, it did intrigue me. The idea of having a personal rule, a personal rules lawyer
1: sure. at hand. Now, do you think, uh, do you think it, with the emergence of AI, another technology embedded in our lives, that it could lead to more gamers? So I guess one thing that I'm kind of positing here is that you know the more that technology just creeps into every phase of our life the more that people actually want to interact with cardboard plastic wooden bits and and written rules and humans to play board games or is that uh, do, do i think it will increase the yeah number of gamers will come in as as technology continues to increase in our daily life i think that's a i think
0: possibly i mean i think the growth of the hobby is based entirely off of that that need for a, a reconnection and, and a simplified um, social activity yeah. that that board gaming provides. I, I do think it's going to be one of those areas that's similar to what you were talking about with the smartphone where everybody, when the smartphone came out and the first game that implemented a smartphone and everybody panicked of like, all of our games are going to need smartphones and who's going to, what if people don't have smartphones and what if they don't upgrade the service or what? Like, there's all these concerns. And like you said, like the grand scheme of the number of games that I have that actually require. Now, I'm not talking yeah. about the, the app making it easy and to- require s- two different things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the number of games that I have that require our smartphone are probably 1% of 600 games that I have that I, I can think of off the top of
1: my head. It's not a lot. The 1% of your- entire collection is 600 games. Did I hear that correctly? Could be. <laughs> okay. I haven't counted it in a while. No. Um, <laughs> I, so, And I, folks, I, I came in with one bullet point, and I'm, Doug's just opening up tangents upon tangents <laughs> here. But here's another idea where I think this could really jump is – There could be different credibility networks that are created. And what I mean by that, like I was traveling for work. I mentioned earlier, I'm in Austin, Texas, a city. I don't know anyone in Austin, Texas. So I go to meetup, right, and see where they have board games. And I just happen to be off by an entire week because I couldn't read. Um, Whereas if there's artificial intelligence, they're like, these three people are looking for another table. We could potentially have like a convention in every community. Because even in our little small community we live in in Wisconsin, we know a published game designer, a guy that makes board game inserts, you know, and other people who love to play board games. And could there be a, a potentially more connected game space writ large? Um, you know, that's something that a super algorithm could could help. Where you know, like this isn't a creepy weirdo who's going to steal my games in three years. <laughs> yeah, like talking about gamer blockchain. this guy comes from a reputable yeah, source, exactly, with a little bit of Minority Report you, in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> with
0: your social credit score,
1: I can predict that
0: you're going to pick a good gamer. What um, <laughs> do you think? It's po- do you think it's possible that a AI could design a complete game? Yes, hundred
1: percent. Yes, that I would play and love and enjoy. And I also you're, think- it, You're putting that also on top that you will play and love and enjoy? Sure. Oh, sure. I have no doubt about that. I, I And I think that is sooner rather than later. Because what if somebody were to take the good parts of Castles of Burgundy and Lost Ruins of Arnak and put sprinkle in a little bit of Reiner, and yeah, I'll play that. Oh, hey, I love that. I enjoyed that. That was designed by AI. Cool. Good work. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be- I think they could come up with a concept.
0: Um obviously the the production and art design like Yeah. There would be so much computational power required to put all of the the components of a game together, which is one of the things that kind of intrigues me on on that aspect is like, okay, you're talking about art direct like there's one thing is like rule set, then you're talking about components, then you're talking about um Artwork and production costs, and okay, well, we want to bring this down, so what components can we cut or do in a different way? And it's like, I know, I know a computer could handle all of that and do all of those things, but um, I'm just curious how that would. It's like all of a sudden, just spits out. It's like here is this perfect game, and it's going to cost fifteen dollars to manufacture from this spot, yep. and you can retail it for this much, and you'll sell it for that. It's um, sitting
1: in your Amazon locker. Go pick it up. Weird. Yeah, um, but uh, and who knows? I, I could be way wrong on this. I just I think that we are in the early stages of the technology, and I'm old enough and young enough where I can remember being a second year teacher and introducing YouTube and having students saying. This absolutely stinks. The only thing that's on it is NASA videos from 30 years ago. And then when Khan Academy came on YouTube, it was like, whoa, look, this guy could teach math. So if somebody would have told me in the, you know, 2007 ish, and if I'm off by a year, I'm going to get crushed here in our Discord that. In six years, seven years, there's going to be a guy that's able to teach board games on here to you in a very coherent manner. I would have said that's ridiculous. That's not possible. All that I can do right now is teach this kiddo algebra yeah. and watch bad NASA videos that were on you know the r- rolling reel from when I was a kid. <laughs> so I, I just I, that technology, I think, is going to go places where we can't imagine. Yeah, it's going to
0: be interesting. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on AI for you. Uh, be, be, thanks
1: Doug Yeah, be the, ah, that's just it, Doug I'm it, checking it, out it. on it No, in
0: the gaming world <laughs> in the gaming world um, so that is uh, the school of gaming let's move on to the high five if you're anything like us you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out this week we're going to be talking about American themed games we just got done celebrating the Independence Day in the United States of America so what better time to talk about American-themed games. We've done some other nationally-themed high-five lists in the past, so I figured, let's go American. Uh, This was an interesting list because there's a bunch of... A lot of ways to go, Doug. uh, (laughs) A different avenues to go. So we'll see... I think there'll be some crossover, but I I have no idea. You never
1: know in a list like this.
0: All right. What do you got number five, Michael? Number
1: five for me is Ticket to Ride, 2004, Alan R. Moon, Days of Wonder, episode 002 of uh, the Game Schooler podcast is a game of the week. It is beloved by myself and even more so by Doug. Um, It's just a great game where the board game is the map of the United States of America. Yeah, So I don't think I have a whole lot more to say, uh, but the base game, you can learn a lot about American geography just from playing uh, Ticket to Ride. Yep, so. it is my number five as well. Oh, wow. So a super crossover there. Yeah, I think
0: there's so many games that that utilize the map of the United States in various chunks. I saw Power Grid and and um, trying to think there's another one. Even some Ticket to Ride expansions are, yeah. are based on different areas and things like that. But I, I figured if there was one game that was quintessential, the board is the United States, I had to go with Ticket to Ride. So
1: that's why it is my number five as well. Great. Well, that's easy. Get, am I jumping right in? number four? And that's Watergate 2019. Also my number four. No, You're it's kidding. No, okay, whoa, joking. I was about to just <laughs> jump out of the chair. That'd be a first. But Watergate is a 2019 release from uh, Matthias Kramer's, the designer, and here in North America, it's Capstone Games that publishes it. Two players only where it's this brilliant little tug of Not little tug of war. There's a lot going on in that box. Uh, 30 to 60 minutes where one side is trying to uncover Watergate via an investigation, while the other side is trying to obfuscate uh, the process to ensure President Nixon stays in power. It's The word that I come back to with this is, it is brilliant. Um, Tug of War Battle, it's one I've had in my collection in the shrink for a year now, just haven't gotten to the table with the family. Doug and I played it at a trade show when it first came out. Uh, I've played it a few other times and Each experience has been so different based on the player that I'm playing that game with. It is a game that I think I will be playing with uh, my kids as they age up and really get into that era of American history, a very interesting era of American history. So that's my number four is Watergate. All right, good pick there.
0: My number four, I think, may be on your list, but we shall see. Uh, This is published in 2019 by Keymaster Games. We talked about it in episode eight. That is Parks by designer Henry Audubon. Um, This goes through all of the the national parks in the United States. This is one that... um, I've got another one later on my list that is a little bit more historical, but like I felt like this is a great one for being in tune with the nature and geography yeah. of the United States. So, what, you know, my number five is about the map. The uh, number four is about the the geography of the United States. Yeah,
1: and I think if you lived in a different country and played the game Parks, I can I could see kids and adults just want getting fascinated with Yosemite, with Yellowstone, with some of the national parks that are featured in that game. That's that's a great, great pull. Awesome. We're going to keep moving here. Number three for me was featured in episode 63 of this podcast, and that is Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Mm. Brian uh, Meyer and published by Academy Games, 2013, already 10 years old. Um, But it is a cooperative game that has a lot of pick-up-and-deliver elements with an unforgettable theme, and that is slavery. You are trying to get slaves off of plantations and into uh, the northern states, and, and, and we talked about it in tremendous depth in episode 63. This is a game that Doug and I spent about a month playing, reviewing, uh, critiquing, uh, it's a game that lived with me. Um, you know, just a, an outstanding game, one. But then, two, the the learning that is in that box is also incredible. It would probably be my top five educational game as well. So uh, that's number three for me. Freedom, the Underground Railroad.
0: Awesome pick. That was on my my short list. Um, mm-hmm. Just didn't didn't make it. Um, My number three, so if we went to the map, and then we talked about the geography, my third one is about discovering that geography, and that is Discoveries, the Journals of Lewis and Clark. Uh, This was published in 2015 by Ludenat, and Cedric uh, Chabuse is the designer, and in the Discoveries of uh, the Journals of Lewis and Clark, it's kind of a dice uh, dice game in which you are collecting different uh, parts as you're... Uh, cards as you're working your way west so you're getting uh, painting pictures and all of the stuff <laughs> the stuff that you would you would imagine is happening in a game about lewis and clark this is a um, kind of an adaptation of there's another lewis and clark game that's a little bit heavier this is the um, uh, a lighter kind of more streamlined version that you're playing um, your goal is to compile as much knowledge as possible in your journal uh, as you advance the science through your discoveries. So you're, you're rolling dice and, and, and placing them on the board. And it's just, it's got Vincent Dutraite artwork, really vibrant game that, that I've enjoyed. So awesome. That
1: is my number three the discoveries, the journals of Lewis and Clark. So there were multiple Lewis and Clark's games right around 2015 similar to having multiple games on Charles Darwin in 2022 2023. Yes, yeah. except I believe these were by
0: the same Okay. designer okay. or like okay. it's the same
1: publishing team. Uh yeah, the they're both
0: yeah. by Ludnot. Yeah, they're the same designer. Cool. Uh and the original Lewis and Clark the Expedition came out in 2013, so And which ones on your list? Sorry. The, just the discoveries, discoveries the Journals of Lewis and Clark. That one came out Two years later is a little bit, the difference in complexity is the Expedition, which was the original one, is a 3.34, and Discoveries is a
1: 2.36, so a much simpler game. Great. Number two for me is rated an 8.4 on Board game Geek with 8,700 ratings, which folks, that is is a very high score for a lot of ratings, and that's Great Western Trail Second Edition mm. from Alexander Pfister. Artist is Chris Williams, another beautifully um, just great production and design. Egertspiel is a publisher, uh, one to four players. We've talked about it on and off a few different times in the show. This is a heavy game, though. It's 3.73 out of 5. So not your lighter fare, hey, kids, we're going to sit down and play Great Western Trail. But in Great Western Trail, you are trying to deliver cattle, and you're trying to get it to Kansas City. And you're doing... Other things along the way, as you're making laps around the board, and the board changes each time you make a lap around it. Um, the, the game is covered in much greater depth on a lot of different podcasts. It does have a very, um, you know, not so much wild west, but just uh, an adventurous, frontier. yeah, adventurous frontier feel to it. Uh, there's uh, two other versions. There's an Argentina version, and then there's a New Zealand one, which I'm hoping to pick up at Gen Con, <laughs> um, version as well. So uh, I'm not as familiar with those other versions, but in this version, it, it does very much lean into that um, um, Frontier West mode. So that's my number two. All right, cool. My number two is uh, we talked
0: about in episode 72 – And that is Campaign Trail, published in 2019, currently published by Gray Fox Games uh, designers David Cornelius, Nathan Cornelius, and Jeff Cornelius. Uh, This is the American election system in a box. The, the way that you travel around the board and try and gain voters and register voters and then get them and, and, and have majorities in states, it's got this really cool scoring track as as you have a majority in a state, you move it to your board and it's automatically calculating electoral votes for you. So there's no math involved. And the way that the politics work where you're trying to, you know, you can put out national ads uh, from where you're at, or you can campaign locally, and you're kind of restricted to a two or three state area, and just and com- you can put those ads out based on specific issues to try to get different demographics, different yeah. states. And there's uh, two two debate rounds, which are interesting. All of the cards that come in the game are like multi-use, so you have to pick out which action on the card you want to use. And it's the other thing that's really cool about this game is the the setup. I can play this as two players, just head-to-head. I can play it as two-player teams where I have a, a president and a vice president against another president and vice president. You can have three presidents from different parties going. So it's got a it lot of variety. variety. Yeah, and, it's and really then, cool.
1: Yeah, that's my number one. Uh, this game, I don't talk about it often, but my undergrad is in political science. And playing this game, I... I knew why I spent a good chunk of a few years studying political science because I love how the systems come together in this game. Uh, Again, the board is the American map, but what's different, different issues play out in different parts of the country. um, and It just does a nice job of featuring our political system Without getting into politics, yeah, if I have a brother-in-law who is on one side of the aisle and a brother-in-law who won't talk to my other brother-in-law because he's on the other side of the aisle, this would be a perfect game to play. We could actually get through the whole game and 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 have um, uh, uh, there's
0: it's well, well, it's a civil yeah, the way that they handle the issues in this game is. For example, a state might have a, a strong interest in the issue of healthcare or education, but nobody is saying what side of that. Yeah, they're you're coming down. It's just putting down, cubes it. down ju- to try to get your party in. It's just an issue. Yeah, you know. So the idea of like, oh, well, you have to be this side, and that, and that means that you're fighting for that or whatever doesn't come up because it's literally just Illinois cares about healthcare. Yeah. You go and, and do ads on healthcare. So I, I think they do a really good job of handling it, especially you know, with how toxic that, that climate has become, the way yeah. that they're able to skirt that is really remarkable.
1: And but the other thing that it just features for me is we are a nation that is built on having different priorities. And we can call them issues, we can call yep. them policies. But different places have different priorities, and this map shows that visually uh, in a way that that I've just really enjoyed. So, if you're somebody who likes uh, historical games or playing games where you can really take on a role, uh, the debate part of this game. Go back and listen. What episode was that? Seventy two. Well, Seventy two, where we talk more about campaign trail because um, it, it's it's my number one uh, American game. All right, my number one is, uh, I think I talked about it either last week
0: or the week before, that's America uh, by America. Hard to argue with that. Uh, Yeah, uh, from 2016 Bézier Games, designed by Ted Alsbach and Friedman Fries. This is a a, a trivia-style game in which you're putting cubes out on the board, but you're getting points for adjacency. You don't always have to be correct. Uh, It might be, for example... Uh, you know, how, how, by, how big was the biggest American pie ever uh, baked? And where does Johnny Appleseed come from? And something along those lines. There's like three questions on every card, and they're all based on history, American pop culture, and uh, just does a really good job, I think, of kind of having, if I were going to say Americana, yeah. you know, the, the theme of America. I think that game really fits the bill well. It may be hard to get now, but uh, just a really cool game that I've enjoyed every time I played it. I love those trivia games where you can be rewarded for good observation and not necessarily having to know every fact, uh, being a good guesstimator, too. Um, Any... um,
1: Honorable mentions for you. Well, two honorable mentions, but I haven't played either one of them. Okay. And one of them, I'm not sure I will ever play. But it is all over the hotness right now, and that is Mr. President, the American <laughs> you presidency, 2001 that. to 2020. It's a solo only. You never know. Oh, it is. Yeah, all, it's all a, three it's 300 a, to 600 minutes. 300. Of it? Yeah, you're familiar with it. Um, but I probably will never play it because there's too many other games that I want to play. This would be like if there was a next lockdown, and you know. Uh, but then the other one is Votes for Women, and I have not played that yet. I almost bought it this weekend, but I could not. I couldn't get the seventy four ninety nine out of my wallet. That was just a little too much. But that has been uh, it. Won an award for best board game of the year, Golden Geek. Um, but just looking at uh, the suffrage and the Nineteenth Amendment in a, a similar way to um, to Campaign Trail just has has a similar vibe uh, f- for me. So that's that's one that I'll I want to check out down the road.
0: All right, I've got uh, Timeline. There's two versions that came out of Timeline, which is a uh, uh, basically you're just playing cards down and, and trying to put them in the correct order and get rid of all of your cards in your hand. There was an Americana one that came out and an American history one. Uh, so both of those in line with America, but still America the game, not yeah. the country. Um, but I thought America the game was a better representation of that that concept. Um, and then the other one I have is Founding Fathers, which I didn't put on the list just because I've not played a complete game of it. But if you are interested in... The the creation of the 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 Constitution and the articles, uh, it's a great game for that, and I, I enjoyed my initial playthrough of it. Um, certainly, you can't get more American than than the Founding Fathers and the creation of our government. So, that's our high five American themed games. Uh, I want to remind you before we go to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at GameSchoolerU. Next week, we're going to be talking about iSchool, gamer credibility or sales, which is more important, and our fanciest games in our collections. Thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We truly appreciate it. Now get out there and
1: keep gaming.